0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Golden Hour Podcast brought to you by the Polar Pro Studio. I'm your host, Dave Mays, and today joining us again is the one, the only, Joshio from the YouTube channel Make Art Now. This isn't our first conversation with Josh. We actually had him on the show about a year and a half ago, I believe, when he was still kind of growing his channel. Now he's almost at 400,000 subscribers and has done multiple films that have just blown the pants off of everybody who watches them. His most recent film is called Anamorphia 2, and he takes the concept of a gear review and turns it into essentially a short film with a fully fledged out script with comedy, uh, narrative stuff. It's really mind blowing to see if you haven't seen these films and you haven't seen Josh's work. I highly encourage you to go over to Make Art Now and check it out after this interview. In this conversation with Josh, we talk about launching a Kickstarter project, which he has successfully done. He's raised over $200,000 now for a product that he has developed. Uh, And we talk about how he developed it. It's called Orbit, and it's an incredible new product. We also talk about his struggles with YouTube and what it's like to be in this gear review niche uh, and whether or not he wants to move out of that. Maybe he wants to leave the gear review space altogether. These are all things we talk about as well as, of course, what it's like to become a new father. Um, Everybody gives me hell for talking about being a dad all the time in the podcast, but I don't care. Also, if you'd like to see the video version of this interview, it is available on our YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com slash ghpod. All right. Without any further ado, let's get into my conversation with Joshio. So we've uh, Josh and I have known each other for two years now, I believe. I think it was two years ago we met at the Sony A6400 event. Is that right?
1: Probably, actually, yeah. I think that <laughs> that sounds about I'll, right. I think because yeah, th- that was my that was the first event that I think I went to uh, with my channel.
0: Yeah, I think that was also when you were you were posting your films and stuff and you were doing some gear stuff, but you I think you had fifty thousand subs at the time. And then we met and then literally within three or four months you like cracked right past a hundred and just started growing from there and it's just been a a wild ride for you these last two years.
1: Except for the la- the last two months, my numbers have been like chilling is that right it's so funny like doing anamorphia totally just killed all of my momentum and numbers but like it was really good for my soul and for my creativity but it's just so funny how youtube rewards and punishes like opposite of what you would think you know what i mean
0: yeah, it's, it's a game. It's not, this isn't Hollywood. This isn't like filmmaking. This isn't storytelling. It's all about playing a video game,
1: which is YouTube. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I guess, I mean, a part of me cares a little bit. Cause like, I think we all want to win, you know, Yeah. but then another big, a, a big part of me just doesn't give a f- like, <laughs> I like, why would I care? Like you want more subscribers? Like you already have 300,000. You want more I've been having a lot of those thoughts lately because it's like, part of me, uh, sometimes I feel like I self-sabotage the channel to follow the things that I want to follow, and then like I lose momentum, and then I'm like, ah, I gotta start all over, I gotta do like product videos now to like get, you know the momentum again. And then, and then I look back, I'm like, all I'm doing is selling products for other companies. Like that's all I'm doing.
0: Yes. We've talked about this. And that's one of the reasons why I want to have you on this podcast is because you've kind of had this realization that essentially you, along with all of these other gear reviewers are doing free marketing for these companies. Why are we, why are we doing this? I mean, it's a cycle, right? We need content for our channel. So they give it, they provide the content, but then or at least the they pro- they provide the story of the content. The story is this piece of gear, and then right. uh, people are obviously interested in it, so they're searching for it. But you just told me like a couple weeks ago, you're like, "I'm done with this, man. I'm I'm going to sell my own products."
1: I <laughs> I mean, I said, yeah, I think so. Like, I'm not done with it. Like, I definitely um, there are certain partners that I love having that make my life easy and. And like, don't get me wrong, I'm completely grateful for this opportunity. I don't want this to come off like I'm suddenly slapping the hand that feeds. Mm -hmm. But I think in I think I have kind of earned the ability to like talk about these things and say, you know, after grinding for three years, trying to make the best of the best of like product reviews or I don't even know if you call my videos that they probably more be like. Product-based experiences, right? Nice. (laughs) And it's weird because like when I when I come up with these ideas, most of the time my brain is just coming up with some creative way that I want to explore. Yeah. And then it it actually takes me a really long time to do these videos. I, I think you guys, I think a lot of people think that maybe I pump out a video in three days. And then I wait around for three weeks and then I do another, you know, it takes me three days. Yeah. In reality, it actually took me all three weeks to do that video. Yeah. Like working on it every day. And, (laughs) and most of the time it's because like what I'm trying to explore with it, you can't, it's almost like every video is a thesis for me. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not just getting the camera and then doing a video like, Oh, my thoughts of the day uh, or my, my first impression. I, I don't think I've ever done a video like that. And so, it, it takes time to do these thesis videos of like, what is this camera really, really good at? Can I get evidence of that? And then can I spend a week trying to master that and get really, really good with it so that I can show that to the audience, but also I can take that skill that I've acquired with me on my journey, you know? And I think the journey has all kind of been leading up to, um, uh, I mean, I, I, like, I don't see me doing product videos for very much longer. I think, I think I will graduate out of this realm of tech review product video stuff. I'm sure I'll still do, you know, a, a couple every now and then when I get excited, but I think the long term play th- that's not really sustainable for me. I think I'll, I think I'll throw myself off the balcony. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> well, I think it's a struggle. A lot of creatives face. I know myself included. I mean, that's why I left Indie Mogul. It's a I never can- ending stream. Yeah. It's never ending. Being a creative, you just, you you can get, you can even have like a good flow and a good like energy and like, Hey, this is actually working. I'm having success. I mean, a lot of people from the outside will look at you as a successful person. And they may think when they hear this interview, like, what's he thinking? Like he has all this opportunity, whatever. But as, no, an artist, you know, as a creative, listen, you're, you t- you're
1: totally right for the outsider listening in, it comes off very ungrateful. Like I'm not appreciative of this opportunity. You know what I mean? But from my perspective, I have worked so hard and so long grinding away, trying to be like the cutting edge of whatever it is that I can like explore. And at the end of the day, if I'm not getting something out for me, for my soul, for my for my craft. Yeah. Like, what do I care how much product I sold of Sony's camera or DJI's drone or Yep. This lens, or, or like, at the end, that's just like there's like a threshold for me to be comfortable with, and I passed that that threshold. I think when we first met, when I made when I had fifty thousand subscribers, I was like, "Wow, you can make a living off this. Great!" And, and that was good. Like, I still drive the same car. I still kind of more or less make the same amount of money. Like, I have a studio space now, so that's that's a little bit better, you know. And I have a little bit more freedom. Like, I, I don't have, like, the same constraints, but, uh, you know, I'm not, like, rolling in it, and I'm not, like, uh, changing my ways, and I still live in an apartment, you know mm-hmm. what I
0: mean? Well, that's just because you live in L.A., but, you know. Yeah, that's true.
1: I, I just, probably, if I lived in Tennessee, I'd be in a house.
0: Well, that's the thing is, yeah, I was paying 2900 for a three-bedroom apartment in Pasadena, and we're paying 2000 a month for a five-bedroom house with wow. a yard. Five bedrooms, 2,500 square feet. It's insane. 2000 a month. You kidding me? Anyways, yeah. people listening to this who don't live in L.A. or New York, they're like, yeah, that's normal.
1: <laughs> I mean, it, it definitely is a like for the I think for my total rent with the studio in my apartment is like fifty five hundred a month. Jeez, so, yep.
0: I mean, that's normal. I mean, I mean that's a that's that not, is a that's lot. not bad. That's a,
1: You're
0: in a but good But that's area. not
1: bad for L.A. Yeah, that, you know what I mean, I'm, I'm I've lived say, in like, the same apart but I've lived in the same apartment for the last 12 years.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, you're in a really good spot for that price. That's actually yeah, kind of exactly. impressive. Yeah,
1: Yeah. But from but if you live outside of LA, you're like 5500 a month? <laughs> yeah. Are you crazy? You could, Just on rent? Well, it took me living here now
0: for the last two months for people to come up to me and be like, dude, you know, you realize you could buy a house, like a $600,000 house for that much that you're paying on your rent? I was like, oh, no, I'd... I forgot you could buy houses. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm so used to oh, renting. Oh man. Anyways, uh, that's a sidebar conversation. But you're totally right, and it's funny. I've I, th- I feel like the listeners of this show are probably sick of hearing it now. But almost every guest that I've had on, including you know you, Gerald Undone, uh, we had Jesse Driftwood not too long ago as well. We're all kind of going through this same predicament right now, where it's like, okay, we've we've done the gear thing. Now, now what? Cause like at the end, at the end of the day, we're all just trying to make a living and and do what we want to do, like be artists, right? So, um, it's an interesting. You have to pick your battles. Like, do you want to be a YouTuber and and be a successful, you know, YouTuber, or do you want to? be a I mean, be let's a be filmmaker? honest. The
1: the gear gets views. Like that's yep. the only reason why any of us, like uh, occasionally from a company that gives us free stuff, which surprisingly is not all of the companies, like. You would think from the outside, oh, Sony and like they all—they just give you free stuff, but that's not the case. Like a lot of times, we're just chasing the views. We're panhandling for views. The companies that you um, want
0: to be giving you free stuff never do. It's always like the little, like random, you know, accessory manufacturers that send. Yeah, exactly.
1: It's so funny, man. All the small companies—they'll give you—they'll give you the world because like (laughs) they need it. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Like, um. So, for example. Um, I mean, we've talked about this, but I launched my Kickstarter like a week ago. Yes. And it's been a little bit over a week ago, maybe 10 days ago. And it has been such an experience for me because it's the first time that I've launched a physical product. I've done a couple other crowdfunding campaigns before, but it's the first time I've launched a physical product Mm -hmm. with my branding. You know what I mean? Like the last three years of building up a channel. And really attaching, like, a dollar sign to, like, how much money, like, how many products am I actually selling? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just kind of like an eye-opener for me. I mean, I think the product sells itself. Um, For our listeners that don't know, I... Yeah, I mean, let's. If we're
0: we're already on the topic, so let's talk about it. You launched a product. It's called the Orbit, and it's this incredible uh, device that I've never seen before. You showed it to me about six months ago, when you were still doing CAD drawings of it, which is really <laughs> exciting and to see the process and to see the 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 completion of it. Um, it was a huge success. I think it's over two hundred thousand dollars raised now. Is that right? Two hundred seventy-eight thousand, dude. That's amazing. You still have nineteen days to go. Your goal was 7500 You You had to know that you were going to at least crack that, right? You know... um, I don't know the strategy of Kickstarter.
1: No, that that was a little bit of strategy. Like with Kickstarter, if you put the goal ridiculously low, the algorithm... It's funny. Everybody has an algorithm. So Kickstarter (laughs) has their own algorithm. And to game the algorithm, you have to put a ridiculously low uh, amount... And then you have to smash that amount within the first few hours. And so what I did is I actually created a Squarespace website the weekend before. Okay. And then I did, when I launched my video, which was on a Friday, kind of explaining the orbit. And it was, it was part of, it was actually the video that I used on the Kickstarter, but it was also an episode talking, going into a little bit more depth. I launched that on Friday And I kind of launched the whole pre-sales like you can get in on an earlier on a super early bird price Mm -hmm. by locking in some pre-sales. And so what that did is that allowed me to secure people's funds. And I was like, here's the deal. You get one hundred dollars off, but I need you to purchase the um, the orbit in full on day one. So essentially we got like 50 people that ponied up and so we we got their money into you know on the squarespace website uh only like two hundred dollars of it and then they went to kickstarter once we launched and so within a matter of hours i had fifty thousand dollars pouring right you know so right that, into the campaign and that so that triggers
0: the kickstarter algorithm to be like oh exa- this is yeah
1: yeah exactly and then so the goal is that kickstarter ended up featuring us on the main page Perfect. and they ended up loving the pro- the product and just everything that we're about and so um it, i think it really worked out like it it you know i'd never done anything like that before yeah. so we we're kind of like i mean we still are flying by the seat of our pants you know <laughs> um but it's it's real exciting and you know we we definitely you know my partner my business partner and i we had an internal goal of 150,000 like that was the real goal for us to be like if we don't raise this, then we're not going to make it like it's just not going to work out. We don't have enough money to make the molds. We don't have enough to buy the material. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not even talking about paying ourselves anything. We're just talking about like, how do we actually build something, pay, you know, $40,000 to develop the app and, you know, mm-hmm. spend another forty or $50,000 on molds, you know, so like <laughs> I'm so
0: not in this world, dude, that dude, is my, it's, it, it's and crazy. you know what?
1: And that's the funny thing is me neither. <laughs> like I've never done this before. And uh, I think like I was just talking to my business partner yesterday. I was like, dude, I never want to do this again. Like I, I, after this I'm out. Yeah. And like, that's, but that's the thing is I got into it it's because I wanted shot, that yeah. experience. I wanted the accolade of going like doing something really challenging and trying yep. to pull and just go, just go all the way. Just totally. go for it.
0: Well, the product, and we'll get to the actual what the product is uh, in a minute. But one thing that I want to touch on that I think is so important for people to learn and, and to soak up is the fact that you've built such an incredible fan base of, of like super fans, is what Pat Flynn would call it. And he, he was a guest on the show. He wrote a book called Super Fans. And he talks about how. You know, you could try to be like Mr. Beast and get like seventy million views, and like you know, play that game and just have millions of people interested in you to become successful. But at the end of the day, if you have a uh, thousand people pay you a hundred dollars a year, that's a six-figure income. So just focus right. on having. Like, yes, you can. You can try to get a million views, but. At the end of the day, you want to have a core fan base of people who are there to support you and to uplift you and, and to basically buy everything that you would ever make. And I think that's what you see with the pre-sales, as well as the success of this, is that you've built an audience of people who trust you and they want to support you, but it's also a great product, too, of course. Like, I'm not, we're gonna talk about the product and it's something well, I mean, that... it's
1: still risky if you think I was just thinking about this this morning. Like, you know, part of me, one of the great benefits of being a YouTuber is like. At our, at my disposal, like all of the YouTuber friends and pals that I have, do yep. you know what the accumulated reach is? Uh, it's, sta- it's, it's staggering. It's 31 million. I added it all up. <laughs> 31 awesome. million people. That's, that's uh, like just with a phone call. Like that's people I have on my phone, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, inc- it's incredible marketing power. And yep. we, and, you know, I know that influencers kind of get a bad rep, right? Like especially you know, nowadays, but we've never been at this kind of crossroads before where the individuals like it's just me in here. I I don't have a whole team. I'm just one guy like and to have that level of kind of marketing prowess at your fingertips is like I've never has it ever been like that in history other than maybe a movie star, like maybe a movie star is going to launch their tequila line. You know what I mean?
0: (laughs) Well, it's different because in the film industry, you have all these gatekeepers, you know, that right. are in charge of that. And you've got, you know, it, I think it's it, it's mind-blowing that, like, certain celebrities at certain levels don't see the value of this. Like, imagine if you are a movie star for real right now, and you're not taking advantage of social media and what you could, like, I don't know. Like, just name any big actor. If he just started on TikTok, like, it would just, it would blow up and it could turn into yeah. its own thing. But I don't know. There, there are people like, like I don't know if Will Smith. I think he's done a pretty good job, but I think it's a little cringy too. So I don't, I don't know. But uh, I I'm mean, going. The Rock
1: is like The Rock is number one. I mean, yeah, dude, of course, <laughs> that guy is just the machine. Yep, he's he like non-stop. what a business class. Just watching every single post on his Instagram is a business class in marketing. Oh wow, yeah, and, I I know. don't
0: follow him, but maybe I should. <laughs>
1: Look, it's not the most entertaining stuff, but I mean, if you want a class and like how to promote your brand and like he just mm-hmm. it's just he just gives the facts. He's like, Okay, Zoa is like the new thing we're doing now. And I'm just like, <laughs> golly, got into the energy drink market too. This guy's this guy is killing it. That's like insane. we're gonna be we're gonna become like this uh, I don't know, I think the rock is gonna be as big as Coca Cola in like twenty years. <laughs> you know what I mean? It'll just be like this yeah. large enterprise of Of commercial goods yeah it's made with Dwayne Johnson you know what I mean
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean imagine if an actor at his level just was like you know what I'm gonna jump ship like go all in on like YouTube like if he became a true YouTuber like a Mr. Beast level like it would it could blow the the world by storm
1: I think I I don't know I think I almost think it wouldn't work I think because there's something charming like I think um Mr. Beast works because it feels like authentic yeah yeah exactly it's it'd not well to, produced i think like i that. think part of i think part of um why my channel doesn't do better actually is because it's so well produced and i spend so much time working things over i think i'd actually have more success if i just spent a little less time on things <laughs> and just like pump them out quicker you know what i mean
0: Well, based on my uh, analysis, when I was working with Indie Mogul and that was, it was nuts for me to go from a channel with 80,000 subs to a million overnight and have access to that and to have a team and whatever. Like the success that I saw was was marginal, but like at the end of the day, I feel like our niche, is just a small niche. There's just not millions of people uh, interested in this. There's more Mm. if you go into the photography aspect. There's even more if you kind of dial it down a little bit for beginners and people who are just like semi-interested in video or photo. Uh, and I think that's why McKinnon was so successful in his early days is he was doing tutorials and mixing photography with video, not just video stuff.
1: Oh, I mean, yeah. Talk about a masterclass. That guy has definitely set the bar. It's so funny. Like he and I just recently became friends. Yeah. Uh, like we ha- I had never talked to him. I, you know, and uh we just started talking like only maybe maybe a month or two ago and uh it i feel like for the longest time my youtube career has been living in his shadow you know what (laughs) i mean and it's hard like you can't escape the gravitational pull of like of the comparison game you know whether you block it out yourself it just gets brought up in the comments so often you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it's just like yeah um so It's not the same, but but, I mean, talk about a masterclass. I mean, that guy definitely, I mean, he did it right. He did it right out the gate, you know?
0: Also timing, timing was perfect too. He was, he was needed at the time. There wasn't anybody doing what he did. And he really created this new mix of like gear photography stuff with this kind of personality thing that, well, you know um, what though?
1: I also think that, I think that you're right. I, I do like now we're just totally gossiping. <laughs> um, I, so here's two things. I think number one, that if you tried to do, if you tried to copy him and do exactly what he did yeah. now, it wouldn't work. Right. Right. But I also think that he's at the level of artistry that he keeps, if you notice, he, ke- he keeps reinventing himself yep. and that's what it's, and that's where he really, really excels at is just like, 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 he's at his fourth stage now. I feel like honestly, yeah, he just keeps reinventing himself. And that's, yep. I mean, that's the game right there. You know what I mean? So Absolutely. everyone else is playing catch up and like they all chase the, they everyone chases the algorithm views where it's like, oh, somebody pops this video with these keywords and it pops off. It does a million <laughs> views overnight. And then everyone, then the next week, everyone's like putting these same keywords. Like yep. we're all just chasing the wave. Um, So I guess, you know, anyway, well, we were talking about something else before. Well, we're, <laughs>
0: I think we should talk about the product. I would like to hear about oh. it, like how you well, started. So what I was
1: getting at is that um, with the product, I was like, part of me doing a Kickstarter, at first I was thinking like, I got this reach of all my pals, right? And I can get all my pals on board yep. and help me push this thing out. And then um, I had this kind of revelation last week and I felt a little guilty because I texted a couple of my friends and I was like real excited because the Kickstarter had just launched. And I was like, I was like gearing up and trying to like do all this stuff. And I texted a bunch of my friends and then I immediately regretted it because I realized that this is not a finished product. This is uh-huh. a Kickstarter. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a huge, there's a huge risk involved. Yeah, you're right. And yeah. so like for me to put my friends in an uncomfortable position of like, hey, do you want to be my friend and support me and push this thing out. It kind of like, I don't know that I would, I don't know that I want that pressure. If it was, if if
0: I did a Kickstarter and I asked you the same question, like, yeah, if you put yourself in their shoes, like
1: I would probably, if you did a Kickstarter and you're like, I got this product, I would be like, Dave, I love you. But it's a Kickstarter, and if you go belly up on it and I sell my audience and i and I get them to back you, and then you end up going belly up, yeah. now I look like a jerk
0: exactly, yeah,
1: and so um this week i I like retext all my friends, and I was like, i no one's doing a video on it like I don't want any of that like this is all one hundred percent make art now, and like we can talk in the fall when I physically have something, and like if it actually like if I pull it off and we get and you physically get mailed a box, then uh-huh. we can talk about all that stuff. But sure. Um, I don't know. It, it's it's definitely better that way because I, I would much rather have the risk myself. And,
0: and I guess that's what this is, then, is that we are announcing the Kickstarter. We're not endorsing the product because it's not out yet. So
1: <laughs> right. T- totally. I mean, it it's a, it's kind of funny, like the amount of Kickstarters that go belly up like they don't. You know what, uh, in my research, a lot of, the, a lot of the, uh, the reasons why they aren't successful is not because of the product. It's because they didn't charge enough for international shipping.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So they end up having to, they get bit by the shipping that they have to pay out of pocket. Exa-
1: yeah, exactly. And I mean, and if you think about it, it's one of those, Especially it's, one of product, those it's, of, it's one of those areas of, it's one of those areas of consumerism that we kind of take. Uh, for granted like amazon you know prime free shipping bnh free free next day air like mm-hmm. it, we just get so much things shipped to us and it's part of like the deal of us you know shopping at these um businesses but when it comes to like creating your own and you don't have that kind of logistics or that like shipping export you know yeah. workflow you're getting hit with all these crazy costs of, you know, international shipping and trying to figure out what that is. Um, it definitely takes a huge chunk out of the margin. And so it, it's funny, like that, that's the number one reason why these companies, like the Kickstarter just doesn't happen.
0: That's interesting. I've never, yeah, yeah I, I didn't even think about that, especially your product. It's so heavy, I would imagine.
1: It'd yeah, I mean, expensive. it's 30, 35 pounds, and the yep. ship box is going to be like 36 by 15 by 15. So, yeah, you know, it's not a small box at all.
0: Yeah, totally. Can we talk about your product? Just give me in a nutshell what oh. it is for somebody who's never even heard of it. And this is the first time they're hearing about it. Uh,
1: so the Orbit is a it's a ceiling mounted camera dolly. So essentially, if you have a studio or if you have a home office, and you are able to mount something into your ceiling, you can take a base plate and using, you just need to hit the stud twice. You can uh, hit the stud you know, with the uh, base plate and you can then dangle this motor. And the motor is very precise. It's very powerful. It has a variety of speeds. It can go as slow as one RPM a month, or it can go as fast <laughs> wow. as 35 RPMs. Now, There's- we're not going to allow it to go 35. We're going to top it out at around 10 or 15 because mm-hmm. of just the, how much inertia, you know, spinning around a, a seven-pound camera can be at, like, 35 RPM. That could probably kill somebody. Um, but, <laughs> uh, but essentially, it allows, instead of, um, like, imagine a time-lapse motor where the camera is spinning out and it films the world outside. Mm-hmm. This is now stretched out on a boom arm, and the camera is pointed inward. So essentially, it makes you now the center of its orbit. And you can put yourself there. You can put products there. Uh, it solves a lot of problems, a lot of basic problems that YouTubers have, which is how do I film myself in an interesting way? How do I um, maybe get a, a very smooth gimbal shot of this product without losing focus or having mm-hmm. it go out of frame? Um, how do I you know, get that second second shooter, give me another angle that I can cut from, you know? So yeah. there's a lot of use cases for it, which... I can I can see so I imagine
0: already like myself using it even in a almost live stream setup where I have a computer and a desk and it's dangling right above me and you can actually restrict the the amount of uh, the circumference if you will of the move so I could just do a 180 you know and have it loop back and forth right so yeah. it kind of functions as a curved uh, dolly uh, shot not a full 360 as well so you can get creative with it. And imagine a live streamer with a moving shot and there's no tracks involved. Uh, The footprint of it in in terms of in your set is very minimal because it's hanging from the ceiling and you have nothing, uh, you know, as it's moving, you're not seeing the other arm because you've designed it in such a way that the counterweight is actually out of the shot, which is just a brilliant uh, invention and design. I am interrupting this podcast to talk about our sponsor today, I'm just kidding. We don't have a sponsor, but it is ourselves. Go over to youtube.com slash ghpod and subscribe. There's a lot of audio listeners who have not done this yet, so please head over to YouTube. Find the Golden Hour Podcast channel. Subscribe. Maybe give a couple of those episodes a rewatch. Kind of skim through it. Watch some segments. See the the interactions that I have with the guests. These are all things that I think are important uh, when you enjoy and, and consume content. I know myself personally, I watch many podcasts uh, rather than listen. So if it's not something that you've done before, would you please consider doing it? It helps us out. YouTube is completely different than the audio-only platforms like uh, Apple Podcasts. It allows us to have, you know, real data, real analytics, and figure out who's watching what, figure out how to build that community, maybe even make some money and pour that into the show to make it even better. So if you go over to YouTube and show your support, that helps us. It helps you. It's a win-win. We're doing Doing this show basically audio only now for uh two years so um these last couple of shows with jesse driftwood with gerald undone this one with joshio they're all available on youtube so go over there check it out let me know your thoughts leave a comment all right let's get back to my conversation with joshio i think a lot of people hearing this may think well there's already plenty of like motion control rigs out there with motors similar to this what makes this I've, you different? know i've
1: i've I've seen this before um when I first came up with it I was I wasn't inspired by anything it, it I purely did come up with it yeah. but um like I uh, parallel thinking exists and so there's definitely other similar like homemade DIY rigs out there um but this is the first time that it's been brought to market where someone who's not handy with their hands who doesn't know or have a time-lapse motor and doesn't know how to mount stuff like this is a all in complete one package and it comes with lighting too so yeah. that's the other good thing is it it solves some lighting aspects of it
0: i was referring to what you told me on the phone the other day about how if you were to use a time lapse motor that's what people listening may think well why don't you just use a time lapse motor upside down and the reason for that is uh, a lot of reasons can you tell us why you would want well, look, this you can, over that it's
1: designed to be upside uh, upside down yeah so. You can 100% use a time-lapse motor. And I think for people that can't afford you know our product and they can't wait for it to be in B&H and, and come down in price a little bit cuz Kickstarter prices have to be a little bit higher just by nature. If you want us to succeed, you have to like you know the trade-off is you're getting the product earlier and sooner than anyone else and so you innately you have to pay a little bit more for that. But um for anyone that's going to build it themselves like you wouldn't like that's what i did my first prototype that i used for you know almost a year was made with a time-lapse motor now the trade-off is that yeah you have uh, a motor and who knows what the motor constraints are like the mounting mechanism it was designed to to hold a camera down not to hold a camera up so mm-hmm. um they're you know, every time that I was using the, uh, you know, my little first prototype, it was always kind of like a question mark. I was like, is it going to fall on my head this time or or what? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. always in the back of my mind. And so, you know, when we were coming up with this motor and I had the list of requirements of what I wanted, one of them was like extra strong bearings for the axial load so that it could actually hold a significant amount of weight safely and that you could, you know, you could overload it and you don't have to worry about the camera or the whole boom falling off and and, and hitting your talent or breaking your neck or whatever, you know. So um, what is
0: the, what is the payload right now that with the prototypes that you have?
1: So the actual motor itself for the gears at top speed is about 30 pounds. Mm-hmm. So it, it could do 35 RPM at <laughs> with 30 pounds of weight, which is wow. So I that's mean a, that's like a the full, motor itself, when it's you compare the kit. motor to that I have compared to other time-lapse motors, it's like six times the size and weight. It's massive. <laughs> you would not, this would not be a good product to sell as a portable time-lapse motor because of its size and weight, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but in terms of like safety and speed and variety, it's, it's stealthy quiet up to three RPM. So any, any of those slow moving shots that you would need for an interview, where you need that second you can't hear it at all like nothing and -hmm. then after three rpm the gears kick in and you can definitely hear some vibration and some noise and um but like when you're using fast shots you're probably shooting slow-mo you're probably not recording audio anyway so yeah that was like that was kind of a a a fair trade-off for me yeah,
0: I, I'm i excited to see what people do with it because the possibilities are really endless with your creativity. You you can watch Anamorphia 2 and some of your films and see what you've used it for as a solo performer, but I already see like Daniel Schiffer using it for really cool slow-mo product shots. and Dude, he's actually, cool you
1: know, it's funny is he's actually one of the first, I think he was the first YouTuber pal of mine to hit me up and he's like, I want this. Oh, yeah. I, that, <laughs> like, when can you get me one of these? <laughs> and I was the, like, dude, I as soon as I can, you know, as soon as I get <laughs> these prototypes I made. Think so,
0: there might be a, a large market of people who want that high speed product shot thing, like wh- what you can do with those robotic arm things. But this is so much cheaper than getting a, a robotic y- system, you know. so
1: Yeah, it's so much cheaper. And because you're only dealing with one axis, mm-hmm. it's a lot easier. Like those robot, you know, what people don't understand is with the big robot arms, you have normally when those rent out, they rent out with a technician. So you're Mm -hmm. paying, you know, a thousand dollars a day for the robot arm, but then you're also paying seven fifty a day for the technician to come because he knows how to control it and make the keyframes and the speed and make sure that you don't hurt yourself. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a huge learning curve, and so with this, you know, the motor goes one of two directions it goes left or it goes clockwise or counterclockwise Mm -hmm. and there's a laser and the laser can tell you where the dead center is. So you put the object
0: laser,
1: it's got freaking laser beams (laughs) and it tells you exactly where the dead center is. So you can put the object there and, and then it'll do a perfect orbit orbit around the object. So whether that's a product or a human or Mm -hmm. whatnot, um, it's very, very, very simple. And so I think the end goal is, is, I see a future where a lot more of the content is being created by individuals like us. Mm-hmm. And it's less of these big budget Marvel, you know, superhero films and more of like yep. individuals who are telling their story and um or live stream entertainment. Like I just see a future in that. So I think the end goal is getting this into people's homes and into their studios and, and then maybe providing them some tips on how they can be better uh, content creators you know totally. giving them some some extra tools like i think i might start going into teaching some acting actually
0: oh very cool i think that would. yeah
1: it's been it's been something i've been thinking about for a while i, I haven't done it because i never felt accomplished as an actor mm-hmm. like i felt like you know that that adage like oh uh those who can't act teach you know yeah. <laughs> it's so terrible it's and not even true teach,
0: teach gym that's what uh, yeah, right. <laughs> I always remember that from uh School of rock. <laughs> those who can't do teach, and those who can't teach teach gym.
1: <laughs> but you know what? like there's so much in the acting world that I've learned that helps in storytelling, you know, and the more that I you know with doing anamorphia and anamorphia Two, aside from it being like a huge acting flex, like a huge workout for me. Mm-hmm. I learned so much in storytelling through the acting and just and I actually understood awesome. why I never made it anywhere as an actor like 100% because the the craft of acting is not actually acting the craft of acting is storytelling and can you and the director line up the vision so that you can be that vision for the director and you can be true to the story You know what I mean? So it's no longer about the choices that you would make as an actor or saying the lines this way or that way. It's now like what's, what's true for the character and what's true for the story. And uh, I never had that revelation until, you know, doing anamorphia.
0: Was that something that you struggled with in your early days then not lining up with the director?
1: No, my, my biggest struggle was on the audition process. I could, I did I did some decent work in, in acting class and, you know, self tapes and that kind of thing, um, and like little projects that I've done. But the moment I walked into an audition room, like eh, my personality went out the window. Like I was, I was completely lobotomized. You know, so I was so nervous, mm. and it was very, very hard to, um, to do any of the stuff that I was trained to do. And I couldn't get over it. It was like, dude, I tried everything. I tried hypnosis. I tried uh, medication. I tried therapy, uh, meditation, I, uh, I, honestly, everything. And um, uh, I just couldn't get over the nerves. It was a di- it's a different type of competition nerves that comes up when you get into it. I don't know if, if anyone's ever been in the audition process. Man, it is awful. It is, there is nothing redeeming about it. Like You go in there, and the guy to your left looks exactly like you, and the guy to your right looks kind of like you, but taller. And like, everyone's thinking the same thing, which is like, man, I hope you don't get this. You know what I mean? Like, like everyone is because there's only one there's only one role that they're casting at a time. You know what I mean? Like, it's 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 one of you guys is going to get it. Yeah. And I don't know something about that whole um, that whole process bred a lot of competition in me. Yeah.
0: And is that why you fell in love with YouTube? Because you create your own career path
1: by doing it. I fell in love with, I guess, the autonomy of YouTube, and I think maybe I have like a slight little, um, like vendetta against Hollywood. You know what I mean? But it's not Hollywood's fault. It's just the whole competition and audition process is, I think, flawed. I mean, look, there are so many talented actors out there that that say the same thing that their sure. careers never took off until there until it was offer only. Offer only is basically when the director's like, I've seen enough of your work where just let's send this guy an offer and yeah. uh if he if he likes the script he's in no audition
0: yeah i've so, I've heard plenty of interviews with with actors and they they seem to all hate it so oh um, it's off it's
1: it's it's the it has, worst part
0: it has nothing to do with the actual job too like it it seems so out of place sometimes compared to there, what i
1: mean look there, i there's definitely a technique involved but Like if I were to go relive some of the auditions that I would that I had done in the past, if I were to if I were to go in tomorrow, let's say let's say my life depended on it. I had to go in and I had to give an audition. Instead, like back when I was going to auditions, I would I would try my hardest to memorize the lines, get off book, and then I would do all the actual real homework, you know, like personalizations, backstory, you know, moment before, all that stuff, right? My eyelines. Eyelines are a real big part of it. Like, where are you looking? Are there multiple people in the scene? Right. So you do all of that work before and then you go in there and there's not four people in the room, even though there's four people in the scene, there's a casting director in the back of the room. There's a camera and then there's a casting assistant off to the side.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> and so
1: you got to like create all of this like out of thin it- air. And so half the time you're like wondering, well, like, do I play this to the four other people that aren't there? Like, there's just so many unknowns, right? Yeah. Yep. I would, if I were to redo it now, what I would do is I would just basically memorize as much as I could to get off book, to just get it like by rote and then throw all of that away and then just try to be 100% real Josh to the reader. So whatever that they're giving me, if they're giving me nothing, like there's a way you could react to that, you know, mm-hmm. and and just try to focus on making the conversation real and invested and have vitality. Yeah. And that's really, really hard to do, but it's, it's something that um, I think I had too much other stuff going on back in the old days of trying to like figure out the scene and the hook and all this crazy shit. Like I I would just throw all of that stuff away and just be like, Like the goal should be go in the room if they believe you're a real person and that this Mm -hmm. doesn't sound like acting Mm -hmm. then you stand a much better uh, You you stand a much better chance of getting the job than if you acted it perfectly But you don't feel like an authentic individual You know, I mean it feels like an actor doing a scene you fail
0: Do you think YouTube like if you're on YouTube and you are a quote YouTuber? Are you an actor?
1: One hundred percent, one hundred percent. It, like, I mean, how long did it take for you to get comfortable on camera? Do you remember when you first started? Uh,
0: it's not f- apples apples because I was a magician for six years, so it was pretty okay easy for me. But that's from six years of performing on stages. So,
1: so I mean, I remember when I first launched the channel. Even coming from the acting background, I remember yeah. it taking a, a, a bunch of performances. Uh, yep. it, it took me a bunch of lines line readings just to get where i liked what i said and i sat and i wasn't all choked up like in my throat <laughs> you know what i mean yeah, yeah and yeah. i didn't feel like super like yeah. it took a while for my personality to come through and so Absolutely. i think that i think um youtubers with the right coach with a good acting coach that can tell them they can really teach them story and mm. and tell them like why the scene is happening and what's the sub subtext you know if they're not too keen on like filmmaking or storytelling i think they have a really good chance of being an actor, because then at, at that point it's just being like how can we get you to be authentic and your normal bubbly personal self and a lot of that is just the nerves of being on camera
0: yeah just stage time you gotta you gotta keep exactly, it in the cord, over, and exactly. over and over exactly
1: and then the other the other muscle that I think is um, also worked out being a YouTuber is line memorization. You know, how many mm-hmm. times are you looking at your copy and you're like, oh, I got to like memorize these yeah, nine things about the DJI, yeah, you know, four
0: point two megapixel sensor. Yeah, exactly. It's just X, it's, all this, it's just all this.
1: These are really like technical terms are hard to memorize sometimes, yeah. you know, <laughs> Um. So I, so I so I I'm actually really hopeful. I think that a future I could foresee that a future that we go down where more content creators are writing shooting acting and editing and just producing their own films and and they're not bad films you know
0: what's what's your future what are you looking forward to right now on your channel I mean we started this conversation off kind of talking about you know the struggles of being in this gear space now you've launched this product what where are you at right now I know it's a big question because I I know I'm kind of stuck in in the middle right now myself.
1: I think what I want to, um, you know, when I started the channel again, it was like living in the shadow of like super successful YouTubers who had meteoric growth, and I think I had to make peace with that and be like, what's my intention of my channel is my intention of the channel is not to grow it as fast as I can. My intention is that. I want to learn something every single episode and and really get a sense of mastery. Like, can you become a renaissance man? You know what I mean? Uh, (laughs) But they call a um, autodidact polymath, right? Someone who basically has a worldwide experience. And every time they attempt something, they go in on the deep dive. They learn even more. And then by the end of that little thesis, they now take that and and it it now compounds with the rest of their world theory and it helps them on the next thing. Right? So I think, I think I've extracted everything that I want out of the tech space. I think my goal was to make the relationships that I want for filmmaking to, um, you know, build up a fan base of like, you know, ardent supporters that love my films. I think I've done that. And now I think, um, I think it's time for me to expand my world again. And so I think I'm going to get into more DIY builds. Well, I, I think that, that's yeah. what I'm going to do. I think I'm going to learn coding. Um, you have a great coding for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to learn coding and more of mechanical engineering um, and really start cracking open creativity on building things. I think that's probably where I'm going next.
0: And then you entered into the world that I've been in now for three years of fatherhood. And that uh-huh. is a whole new stage oh, for, a man. for a, a man to kind of enter into. How has that been for you? And how has that changed your, your trajectory for your career?
1: You know, I'll tell you the most, the most um, I guess the most honest thing that I've learned about myself is that when I look at my son and I think about what I wanna leave on this world, I haven't, I haven't actually been teaching a lot in my channel. I've been kind of, I've been a little selfish like with my exploration and, and learning everything that I want to learn. And I haven't actually given the breadcrumb. I haven't been leaving enough breadcrumbs for mm. others to follow. Mm. And, and that was a revelation that came to me only like maybe a month ago when I was like, I was having this brain trip of like, maybe I could, what if I pretended that these episodes I was leaving for my son, you know oh, what I mean?
0: Oh, wow. Oh, that's powerful. Yeah.
1: Right? And mm-hmm. so like, or if something happened to me and he was trying to learn who his father was, and all he had is like these 50 something episodes. And uh, I was like, wow, I haven't really been doing these episodes for him or for any future generation. I've just been doing them for me because, again, the the motive was never to grow the channel. You know, the motive was for me to extract everything that I wanted to. And it's kind of a selfish uh, journey. You know what I mean? yeah. So that's kind of like the latest thing that's been rolling around. I know we're going super deep. That's here.
0: deep. I love that. I think you're super right. deep. The, I the, I got into YouTube to get out of I had a job that I really hated and I just wanted to have a creative outlet. So for me it was just this is what I love to do. And then became my job for three years. And I was like, okay, now what? You know. So See,
1: and I totally relate to that. And I think the uh, I think for me, I think that's what I started out with and then it morphed and it's almost like a drug like (laughs) yeah it is uh, it's like the gateway drug you know and now what Mm -hmm. i'm into is the challenge like i want yeah like i'm only happy if if i win but Mm -hmm. like only by like a little like i (laughs) i have to almost i have to almost lose and like maybe like lose a finger in the process but i won you know i lost a finger but i won you know then then that's that's like what i'm after
0: That gives you that fire and that passion that is exactly
1: dude you know what's funny is um you listen to um gary v charles bukowski okay i thought you were gonna say gary v
0: because gary v is all about the kind of loser like being the underdog but no i I haven't heard of him no actually
1: charles bukowski uh famous poet he's got um he's got a couple of good really good poems but you should listen to roll the dice by charles bukowski And that's I mean, this one has been quoted by everybody like Joe Rogan quotes him, you know, but essentially it's like if you're going to go for it, go all the way. Yeah. Otherwise, don't even try.
0: That's right. Absolutely. I can't. I think we need to end on that. That's like a perfect way to end it. (laughs) It's so heartfelt and uh, and uh, authentic. And it's definitely where we are. I get comments all the time on this podcast is like, all right, Dave's talking about being a dad again, you know, but it's whatever. I mean it changes everything my all yeah it does my whole like career could just like go away I could work at Walmart tomorrow I wouldn't even care as long as you know my boys are are taken care of so uh, it's funny how the priorities shift so much almost instantaneously although for me it took me a couple of months to kind of like everybody's like oh your life is going to change when you hold your baby for the first time but the very first child I was like this, what is this? This is like an alien creature. I don't, I don't have any connection to it. Cause my wife was the one that birthed the thing and carried the the boy. I'm just like, what's my role? And then it, you know, after a couple of months of, of connecting with him, then that's when it started to happen. And then my second born now, it's like, as soon as he was born, I had that connection. Um, because I already kind of learned that with the first one. So
1: dude, I'll tell you something before, before we go um i'm not really precious about any footage at all Mm. like my mentality is that i'll just uh, i'll shoot something and i can always just go back and reshoot it yeah but i've never ever misplaced footage ever like i'm it's just like it goes on the hard drive i've never lost a single clip i filmed uh my son's birth the most incredible footage uh-huh. and because i was so sleep deprived i think i forgot to copy it onto the hard drive and i, I think i formatted it
0: oh my um gosh.
1: my wife and i watched the playback on our on the camera once and then it was gone and we never saw it again the most incredible footage i've ever shot in my life <laughs> oh, like because we, we didn't know it was a boy or a girl mm-hmm. and so as soon as they called out like the nurse took took our son And it was like, it's a boy. And so I looked, I immediately like panned over to my wife with the camera and I got her expression of her reacting off of me of cause she knew what we, I wanted a boy and but I'd be happy with a girl, but like, it's a, it's a guy thing. You know what I mean? And so she was reacting off of me and I filmed her expression of that. Uh huh. And it was the most honest, truthful thing I've ever filmed in my life. (laughs) gone
0: (laughs) it's in your head i've uh, right
1: and yeah it's all in here and god i've never felt heartbreak like that before with with footage and i was just gutted for several weeks but i'm glad that we got to watch it at least (laughs) once
0: i'm the same way though with with footage i've always i actually always deleted my youtube content like a week after i shoot it because i'm like i i only need the export i'm never going to use this again i know some people are more annoying with that but with my like filming of my kids, I have I've set up things where I've got like multiple backups, and I'm I'm thinking about getting a NAS uh, system as well uh, for all that. So
1: you're getting a Nitrous,
0: a Nitrous, a what's it called? NAS, N A S, is that it? <laughs> what's I a Nitrous?
1: Know. I don't I obviously don't have one of those.
0: <laughs> it's just like a it's like a server a home server system that has like yeah. multiple copies of it. But I've been really obsessive with it. Um because I just don't want to. I don't want to lose it. But I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> that sucks. It's gone. I had uh, my Leica. I had a Leica M3 with uh, some black and white film. I took pictures of my second born with, and that was one of the cameras that the guy stole from me. And so that film was in the camera still. So I I did lose that. so That sucks. But uh,
1: did you ever? Whatever came of that? Did you ever? Well,
0: y- this week, y- dude. Uh, literally on Tuesday uh, the sheriff called me and said, Hey, uh, does this name ring any bells to you? I was like, yeah, that's the name that of the guy that stole my stuff. He's like, well, turns out he's been in jail for like four months now. And I'm just trying to close up this report. And now I'm going to tack that on. And, you know, he was about to go into probation, but he's staying in there. So justice has been served. But as far as my gear goes, uh, I haven't, you know, recouped it. I'm going to talk to them about figuring out, you know, what i could do from here but now that he's been caught but yeah no fun ensure everybody insure your equipment that's my biggest lesson have have good gear insurance so it is what it is (laughs) all right well
1: um anything else you want to touch on
0: i mean we could go for hours probably but i know you got things and i got things so i don't want to keep you but everybody go check out Joshio's channel make art now have you have you considered changing the name, or are you still sticking with It no. now forever? I, yeah, I'll still, uh, yeah,
1: because I, I thought jo- about
0: I searched Josh Yo on YouTube, and your channel pops up automatically, anyway. So I don't, it doesn't yeah. really matter.
1: No, I'm not gonna, ch- I'm not gonna change it. I think. Look, I think I recorded when I first started the channel. Um, my intro was that it was like that. That's the thing about art is that you commit to something and then you let it evolve and turn into something else yeah and so i think that it's a little meta but the the process in which my channel evolves is the point of the channel or at least yeah. the point of the channel name yeah so i think it's kind of like it holds me to standards as well
0: <laughs> yeah exactly it's a very bold name it's like okay well are you making art <laughs> <laughs>
1: Let's see what this guy's Those got. Those are instructions for you guys, not for me. <laughs> it's
0: like, oh, it's called Make my, Art now. My
1: instructions are like, make art every third Wednesday of every other month and <laughs> then like get it out there.
0: <laughs> make art every five yeah. months. Every time yeah. you have a baby, you make art. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Josh, it's a pleasure having you on again. If you want to listen to our first podcast, I'll link it in the show notes uh, where we kind of talk about your history as an actor, some of the funny stories about that, and then your your journey in real estate. But uh, this was a blast getting to hear the process of how you created Orbit. Everybody, go check it out on Kickstarter. I'll have that in the description as well. Uh, thanks again, Josh. You're a good friend. Hey, dude. I, thank I value. Thank, our thank you so much
1: for uh, thank you so much for having me on here.
0: Absolutely. Hang in there, dude. You're gonna you're gonna crush it. I'm excited to see your future. So, and I mean, I, I'm saying this as if I'm never going to speak to you again. I'll, I'll talk to you later.
1: I, like we're going to talk after, the, like we're probably going <laughs> to cut recording and continue talking for an hour, and then we're like, damn, we we, sh- we should have shot that. The real conversation <laughs> started
0: hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with joshio from make art now it's really inspiring to see what he has done over these last couple of years that i've known him and to see the success that he's had with this new product that he just launched with the orbit we will link everything that we talked about in the show notes below the kickstarter where you can check out the product watch the video the video that he made is incredible uh go watch the video and if you want to uh support you know the orbit go ahead and feel free to support it obviously like we talked about in this conversation it's not a real product yet it doesn't exist yet you're just basically backing the product and and helping josh uh fulfill those orders he obviously is an honest person and i trust that he will see this through but just so you know disclo- all disclosures out there you know it's not out yet and it, he has to still develop it so when you support that kickstarter uh you're supporting josh in the process of making this product Also, I'd love to hear from you guys. I post AMAs often on my Twitter with the guests that I have. I'll usually post like, hey, I'm interviewing so-and-so give me a question uh if you want to be a part of that and you're on twitter go follow me at dave mays and uh you can just reach out tell me you know your thoughts on the show i've had a couple of people reach out and uh send me messages about how they've enjoyed this podcast so thank you guys uh you know who you are who have reached out it means the world to me it's a lot of just me kind of talking into uh it feels like nowhere uh just speaking into this microphone all by myself here Uh, so when I get those messages from people, it really means a lot. And I I can see that, you know, you're actually getting value out of this show. That's what I'm trying to do is to to get the best guests I could possibly get on every single week. And, uh, I also am trying to become a better interviewer and and figuring out the right questions to ask. So if you guys have any feedback, reach out to me either on Instagram or Twitter, you can follow me at Dave underscore on Instagram and at Dave on Twitter. All right, This is a long, rambly speech here, but I really appreciate it. Once again, I'm your host, Dave Mays. This is the Golden Hour Podcast, and we'll see you next week.